Well, I've titled this message, A Sense of Wonder, because in just a few days' time, we're gonna be celebrating Christmas, and I would imagine that uh, many of you over the past few days have been preparing your hearts to remember and to reflect on the birth of our Lord. Perhaps you've been working through a daily devotional and there's a section on many of the passages leading up to the birth of Jesus and uh, you've been able just to sit with that and let your heart get ready. But I would imagine that there will also be quite a lot of people who are just trying to survive till Christmas. This has been a grueling year and I know that for many of us, we've really had to juggle many things in just getting to this point of 2020. So my prayer is that this word today will stir up a sense of wonder in all of our hearts regarding the birth of Jesus. Listen to this account by a lady who was really wrestling with the true meaning of Christmas a few years ago. She writes, it felt like we had just started term four when our two-year-old started asking, when is Santa coming, mummy? And our four-year-old chimed in, how many presents am I getting? No matter what was asked, their questions had one general theme. What's in it for me? My heart sank. Christ was slipping away from being the focus of our Christmas season. A few weeks later, the holiday hustle and bustle ended just as quickly as it had begun, leaving behind two exhausted parents and a ton of shredded wrapping paper. I felt like nothing was gained. My husband Kevin and I wanted more for our two boys. We began to ask ourselves, when our sons are grown, how will they remember Christmas? We wanted their memories to hold insights into Jesus, not a blur of toys and games. The following year, we made deliberate choices about how we would celebrate the season. In the weeks before Christmas, we read the nativity story together, we talked about it, and we allowed our kids to play with kid-friendly figurines from a nativity scene. Our daily devotional time was short and simple, but it worked as a countdown to Jesus' birth. And it allowed Kevin and me to be with our children and to model what was important to our family. This time together became an opportunity to talk more about Jesus in our home. The change was noticeable. What used to be a time of counting down the days until presents arrived shifted to a celebration of Christ's coming. When I read this story, it really spoke to me, not only because I think it is so easy to get distracted by the gifts and the festivities and the food and all the family gatherings, but also because I'm aware that many people have got to this point of the year and uh, they've experienced great hardship and there hasn't been an opportunity for them to really focus on the coming of Jesus, on the birth of Jesus. This season of Advent is a call to us as Christ followers to remember that Jesus, our Savior, was born. Think for a moment, what would it be like if Jesus hadn't come yet? If we were still waiting for our Messiah, but he has come, the Lord has come, and his arrival on earth is cause for us to celebrate. 
So today I want to touch on four people mentioned in Luke chapter 1, four people whose stories can help us remember the miracle and the wonder of the coming of our Lord. Uh, you might want to consider over the next few days having some devotionals in your family uh, or as a couple if you're married and uh, just spending some time to touch on each one of these uh, people's lives and to talk about that together. My first point is about Zechariah and the God of the impossible. If you turn with me to Luke chapter 1, we're going to read uh, verses 5 to 24. Uh, but the point is Zechariah and the God of the impossible. Luke chapter 1. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. It's a beautiful sentence that. They were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Maybe there's some people here that just need to hear that sentence, that your prayers are heard by the Lord. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. What a wonderful mission that John had. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. 
After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months she remained in seclusion. I love the way that Zechariah was righteous in the sight of God and that he lived a blameless life. It encourages us. And I also love the fact that Zechariah was human, uh, the fact that he got a fright when he saw an angel. I think many of us would get a fright if we saw an angel. Uh, and even the fact that he doubted for a moment. There was a, a humanness about Zechariah. And I love that Zechariah was faithful in his serving as a priest. Think about this for a moment. He was faithful as he served as a priest year after year after year after year. There's something wonderful when a person is chosen by the Lord for a specific purpose and they walk in that purpose and they fulfill it. And it doesn't have to be a full-time call. It can be anything that you sense the Lord has asked you to do. And year after year after year, you do it faithfully as unto the Lord. But as I was preparing, I had a sense that there will be some people watching or listening who have a call to full-time ministry on their life. It is a high calling and a great privilege. If this is you, I encourage you to trust the Lord and to say yes to him. As he's speaking, just say yes, Lord. And then let him open the doors at the right time. Might still be years to come. Then you just leave it in his hands. But when you have that sense of a full-time call, it's good just to say, yes, Lord. But let's get back to Zechariah and his unique place in the story of Jesus. Have you realized that he was told before anyone else that God was setting in motion the Messiah's long-awaited visit to earth? incredible this. There had been no word from the Lord since the prophet Malachi and that had been 400 years prior. Zechariah is the first person to know. God tells him that he is going to have a son and that his son will prepare the way for the Messiah. So Zechariah knew that in his son's lifetime the long-awaited Messiah was going to come to earth. Now, title point one, Zechariah and the God of the impossible. Because Zechariah was told that he and his barren wife, Elizabeth, would have a child, even though they were past childbearing age. You know, he responded to Gabriel and he said, how can this be? Because I'm an old man and, and my wife is, is old. Yet Elizabeth does conceive, and John the Baptist is born. It's a miracle from the hand of our Lord, and he is the God of impossible things. So if you take time this week to have a devotion, either on your own or with someone or with your family, and you reflect on Zechariah, I encourage you to brainstorm of what it must have been like to be him. Talk about his faithfulness and his devotion and his service to the Lord. Discuss how he doubted, that initial bit of doubt. And the fact, you know, that he had to um, come to terms with the fact that even in their old age, this long-awaited desire was going to be given them. And then talk about your own lives and how you can trust God with the seemingly impossible things that you may be facing. 
You know, each one of us, I would imagine each one of you has got something that you're trusting for. And we serve a God of the impossible. My second point is about Mary and her complete surrender to God. Mary and her complete surrender to God. Turn with me to Luke 1 verse 39. I'm just gonna read till verse 45. Mary and her complete surrender to God. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. It's just so wonderful that she was highly favored and that God was with her. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Friends, we've been through a lot this year, but I want you to know that Jesus is still on the throne and that his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Mary is greeted with the most incredible greeting. Greetings are you, highly favored. The Lord is with you. I wonder how often Mary reflected on that greeting. How often she would think back of that time when she saw Gabriel. I wonder how often she just pondered on the fact that she had been seen by God and that God had favored her and that she had been chosen and that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. Unlike Zechariah, Mary doesn't doubt. She simply asks how the pregnancy would be possible given that she was a virgin. And when Gabriel explained to her that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and that the power of the Most High would overshadow her, she asks no further questions. Instead, her response shows deep trust and complete surrender to God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. It is interesting how throughout the Bible, God's best servants are often ordinary people like you and me who are available to him. And this is what we need to ponder on as we prepare our hearts for Christmas. We need to ponder on Mary's humility and her surrender to God and on her servant heart. I want you to think about these qualities. Really think about each one of them here. Think about humility, Mary's humility, 
Think about how she surrendered to God. And think about her servant heart. How would you rate yourself on these three qualities, on a scale from one to 10? What would you give yourself for the quality of humility? How would you rate yourself on surrender to God? And how would you rate yourself on having a servant heart? You see, we live in a very dangerous world. And let me tell you why. Because the culture around us worships self. The very opposite of these three qualities. Celebrities are idolized for their looks, their talent, their wealth, and their popularity. And even us as believers can sometimes get caught up by people who are succeeding in the things that are evident in the natural realm. We live in a selfie world where image is exalted. And we live in a proud world where submission to God, sometimes even just believing in God, never mind servanthood, are sneered at. But here in Mary, we see humility and we see surrender and we see servanthood. And we see in her a deep trust, even though she didn't know what the future would hold. She didn't know that shortly after her son's birth, they would need to flee to Egypt. She didn't know that her son would die for the sins of the world one day. Yet we see Mary here, and we see her standing on the threshold of time, and she's fully trusting in God, and she says yes to him, despite the unknown. Listen to the first line of the song that Mary sings when she meets Elizabeth. She sings and she says this, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. We are all about to step into a new year and like Mary, we don't know what the new year is going to hold. But what do we do when we are faced with uncertainty? Can I suggest that we also just take a note from Mary's life and that we demonstrate humility and surrender and servitude and trust, but also that we sing out the same song. That in the midst of our uncertainty, we lift up our hands and our voices and we say, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. You can put this in your heart even now. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Can you imagine what will happen in our lives and in our homes if whenever we're facing something, we just go, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. I believe that we will experience greater peace and greater joy and be so beautifully sensitive to the Holy Spirit. This past Thursday, when I got back from the office, Pam uh, said to me, Bruce, I really feel that we, we just need to worship. And uh, so I said, it sounds great, let's do that. And I phoned Fritz. I said, Fritz, are you up for a spontaneous evening of worship? And he said, he's in. And Pam uh, dropped a WhatsApp to her life group. And uh, three of the ladies from her life group uh, were able to come at short notice. And they arrived. And we just worshiped the Lord. And we just worshiped in the Spirit. And we soaked in His presence. And it was glorious. 
Because God inhabits the praises of his people. And here we have Mary praising God with song. Friends, Mary was a young lady. She was meek and vulnerable. Yet she was mightily used by God as she surrendered to him. What an army we can be if we put our frailties and our weaknesses and our fears aside and we surrender to the Lord's plan, we say yes to God and we live with a song of praise on our lips, even in the midst of an uncertain world. So my first point was about Zechariah and the God of the impossible. I trust that some of you are just holding on to that point and you're realizing, Lord, I'm gonna trust you afresh because you're the God of the impossible. And my second point was about Mary and her complete surrender to God. And I trust that some people here have made a heart decision, even now, to say, Lord, I, I surrender to you. Forgive me for trying to do life in my own strength. And my third point is about Elizabeth and Holy Spirit joy. So Elizabeth and Holy Spirit joy. You know, our theme at Choose Life Church this year has been the Holy Spirit. And uh, we have preached on the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit, and we know that He's our helper, He's our comforter, He's our counselor, and we've experienced His presence in our times of worship, in our services, we, we've lingered in His presence, and we've experienced His presence in our ministries. This year, a whole number of children were baptized in the Holy Spirit at Kids Church. We thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit moving with our kids. I was at a life group one evening, and uh, there was just such a glorious sense of the Holy Spirit's presence that I didn't want to move. Didn't want anyone to say anything for a moment. There was just this, the Holy Spirit's presence was just there. And we know that on a personal level, we can walk in the Spirit every day. We can just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We can be listening and prayerful. And when we do that, walking in the Spirit, the fruit of His presence becomes more and more evident in our lives. We experience Holy Spirit love and joy. We experience peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. Now, if we look at Scripture, we know that at Pentecost, 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples and they were given power to be witnesses of the good news. But have you ever noticed how before Jesus was born, right here in Luke chapter one, we see Elizabeth being filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesying. In Luke one, verse 39 to 45, we read the following. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. There it is. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, listen to the prophetic, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. By the way, in Luke chapter one, verse 67, we read how Zechariah was also filled with the Holy Spirit and how he also prophesied, but I'll touch on that a bit later. Let's focus on Elizabeth for a moment. 
I wonder what kind of an auntie Elizabeth was to Mary. I wonder if they had had extended family get-togethers when Mary was a young girl. You know, in the Jewish faith, there were many different feasts, and I wonder if they had often gathered together and how well Mary knew her Aunt Elizabeth and her Uncle Zechariah. I, uh, I wonder if Elizabeth's barrenness had impacted some of those family get-togethers. If on the way there, her, Mary's parents, her mom and dad, had uh, sort of tactfully and gently uh, needed to explain to Mary why um, she didn't have cousins when she visited Uncle Zachariah and Auntie Elizabeth. Yet we see in Elizabeth a devotion to God in the midst of disappointment. Friends, let's take note of this. We see in Elizabeth a devotion to God in the midst of her disappointment. Despite her barrenness, she too was devout and righteous in the sight of God. If you are facing disappointment, please let Elizabeth's life be an encouragement to you today. This has been a tough year. I would imagine that some of you here have lost a loved one. Or maybe there's some who have been through a divorce or you've lost a job or had a pay cut of some kind. Maybe your business has struggled. Maybe you've been ill yourself or you've had to have some kind of medical procedure and because of all that's happening, there was a time of isolation and you were away from family. I know some people who at this time of the year are really struggling because they can't get to family members because they're overseas. But do you believe that despite what you have been through this year, that you too can be devout and righteous before God? And do you believe that despite your disappointment, you too can believe to be filled anew with the Holy Spirit and experience Holy Spirit joy in this Christmas season? Listen to Elizabeth's exuberance in Luke chapter 1, verse 42. I mean, she's so bubbly with joy, with the Spirit of God. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Now, I'm sure you can agree with me that joy is very good for the soul. It's so wonderful when your heart is just full of joy. And Holy Spirit joy is not dependent on circumstances. It is dependent on the Holy Spirit. Can I say that again? Holy Spirit joy is not dependent on your circumstances. It is dependent on the Holy Spirit. If you have had a barren year and your joy tank feels empty, I pray that you will have a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit as you remember that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. God with you. Come, Holy Spirit. Please come and move, even now, in our midst, and for each person who's listening and watching. Oh, Lord, those who are dry and thirsty and barren and whose joy tanks are empty, Holy Spirit, please, please will you move? Please will you move? Please will you refresh them with your living water? 
May they drink deeply. May they drink deeply. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you will provide for those who are grieving and that you will bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. I pray that they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. May the Lord do that for us. If you choose to have a family devotion this week and you take some time to focus on Elizabeth and the joy that she experienced in the Holy Spirit, then I want to encourage you to get some olive oil and just anoint each member of the family. Do it as a prophetic action. The anointing with oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, being covered by the Holy Spirit. If things are really tough, take a bottle and just pour it on one another's heads. Just allow the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh and with overflowing. And then pray, pray and pray and say, Lord, will you just allow your Holy Spirit joy to fill our hearts and our homes? My final point is about John the Baptist and his heavenly mandate. As I read this account of John the Baptist's birth, I encourage you to let a sense of wonder rise up in your hearts in this regard. So turn with me to Luke 1, verse 57 to 77. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Guys, this is how we need to live. When God does anything good for anyone that we know, we should just share their joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, there is no one among your relatives who has that name. They made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe and throughout the hill country of Judea, People were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Here, here Zechariah is prophesying about Jesus. He has come to his people to redeem them. Friends, have you received Jesus? Has he come into your life? Has he redeemed you? What an incredible gift. And then if we just jump to verse 76, we see how he prophesies over his own son, John the Baptist. He says, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation, through the forgiveness of their sins. And this is exactly what John did. He went out and he preached a message of forgiveness and confessing sins and getting baptized and preparing your heart for the Lord. You know, this prophecy that Zachariah spoke over his son, John, impacted how John lived, how his son lived, 
It impacted his character. In Luke 1 verse 80, we read that John grew and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. John the Baptist knew his mandate, his heavenly mandate, and it impacted his character and how he lived. And this prophecy also impacted what he lived for. It impacted his purpose. In Luke 3, verse 3 to 4, we read, He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As is written in the book of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. If you have had a prophetic word spoken over you, please will you look after it. Even if you've just had a word from God himself spoken to you regarding your purpose, look after it, write it down, read it often, ask the Holy Spirit how he wants you to live while you are waiting for that to be fulfilled because your character is important. And then when the Holy Spirit leads, you need to step into your heavenly mandate just like John the Baptist did. John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus. And each one of us has got a heavenly mandate to fulfill as we await for Jesus to come back. So I'd like to close by encouraging you to spend time with the Lord as a family over the next few days so that a sense of wonder can fill your hearts afresh. Take Luke chapter one and work through it again. And reflect on Zechariah and the God of the impossible. On Mary and her complete surrender to God. On Elizabeth and her Holy Spirit joy. And on John the Baptist and his heavenly mandate. And then on Christmas Eve, I encourage you to take Luke chapter 2 and read the first portion of it that tells the nativity story about the shepherds and the angels and the birth and Jesus being laid in a manger. Read that story again as a family and let a sense of wonder around the birth of our Lord fill your hearts.